Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. It's Judy. And sadly, Sana is still out being amazing and spectacular, as always. But this week, we have an amazing roundtable where we invited three women who work within games and entertainment, specifically sort of on the front lines reporting about games from indies to big titles. And this is something that, you know, I've been always thinking about doing that Sana and I have talked about in the past. And we finally had the opportunity to bring three great ladies from diverse worlds. First, we have Andrea Renee. She is a host and producer and the co-founder of What's Good Games, a podcast that talks about all the things happening in gaming. And she has been around the video game biz and reporting about video games and entertainment for a substantial period of time. We also have Terry Schwartz, who is the editorial manager of IGN's entertainment team. Terry also has been doing some amazing stuff in video games and entertainment. And also she's as short as I am, so that's great. And then uh, last but not least, we have Allegra Frank, who is the deputy news editor at Polygon. She's also uh, co-hosts the History of Fun and the Polygon shows, both podcasts that Polygon does. It was like one of those podcasts where you like sit back and watch all three of them have this like amazing discussion and wasn't any work. And that's always kind of the best podcast. So hopefully you guys all enjoy it. And here is some video game talk. First and foremost, we have Andrea Rene. Andrea is the uh, co-founder and host of What's Good Games podcast, which started uh, last year in 2017. And you guys report all about gaming and games and things and news and... Yeah, we do. do. So um, obviously predominantly a video games podcast. We do sometimes talk about pop culture and um, uh, talk about like our favorite TV shows. I tend to talk about like nerdy fantasy books a little too often for my co-host's pleasure. But yeah, it's a fun show. Yay. Well, thank you for joining us. And next up, we have Terry Schwartz from IGN. Hello, hello. Terry is the editorial manager of IGN's entertainment team. What does that mean? So (laughs) IGN, that's a great question. Uh, IGN is known primarily as a gaming outlet, but we've actually been covering entertainment and had a dedicated entertainment team for about a decade. Definitely entertainment is sort of my backbone and what I've always been uh, most passionate about. So I've worked at IGN for about three years now. I've been running the entertainment team for a little over a year. I always say that coming to IGN for a lot of people who like consider themselves nerds, but maybe we're the nerdiest one in their group. Suddenly you inherit like a couple hundred super nerdy friends who are all passionate about the same things that you are as well. But yeah, it's just been uh, really fun and rewarding. And we've been doing a lot of cool stuff out of Los Angeles. And last but not least, we have Allegra Frank from Polygon. Hi, thanks for having me. Allegra does a whole bunch of stuff at Polygon, but she's the deputy news editor. Yes. You're a deputy. I am a deputy. <laughs> I love it. I never want to be the sheriff. I just want to be the deputy forever. Is there a sheriff in a news? <laughs> I mean, there is my sheriff. I have a sheriff. Sheriff news editor. Really? Yes. Wait, seriously? I mean, that's not his name. <laughs> I call him the sheriff. And you also are on a couple podcasts on Polygon. I am a co-host of The Polygon Show, which is for women talking about games and soda and candy and TV and movies and a lot of things that have nothing to do with anything. Uh, And then I am also co-host of The History of Fun, which is about all the things you love to do and the history behind them. 
all three of you are in sort of the the front lines of the gaming world or the entertainment world. And I, I feel that that is an interesting experience to be. Obviously, you get access to games before anyone does, else does, which is, you know, sometimes the dream. And a little bit of, you know, sometimes of the backlash, we'll say. But first, before we get into sort of the world of gaming, I want to ask each one of you how you got into these worlds. Like, what drew you to wanting to report on gaming and entertainment and also how you guys have built your careers because each one of you have such an interesting perspective. I fell in love with entertainment news really young as a kid. I grew up watching Entertainment Tonight and wanting to be Mary Hart. Uh, When Channel One was a thing when I was in middle school, I saw Lisa Ling and all these people and I was like, I want to do that. So I went to school for broadcast journalism and then moved to Los Angeles after I graduated to kind of start my career to become Mary Hart. And along that path, I discovered that video games media reporting was a thing that I could do. Obviously, print had been around for quite some time with magazine format and things like that, but I didn't know people were reporting and then I discovered G4 and then there's GTTV on Spike back then and I was like how do I get there and that's really kind of where it kick-started for me working on camera and video games media and you know fast forward 10 years later here I am. I think we all played games growing up but like what was sort of your childhood with games? So I had a bachelor dad. My parents got divorced when I was one. So he was very much like the fun parent on the weekend who bought us Nintendo Entertainment System when I was eight years old. And so I grew up playing video games with my dad. And I just really fell in love with video games. I took a break when I was in college from playing games to focus on school and work. And then after I graduated, it was really the rhythm and music um, height during Guitar Hero and Rock Band's heyday that got me back into playing games full-time and ultimately led me to a career in video games. I remember the good old Guitar Hero days. Oh, man. (laughs) Guitar Hero 3 is like my fave. (laughs) (laughs) Terry, how did you get started? I imagine that we'll all end up having sort of similar origins in terms of how we realized this was even a path you could take. For me, I similarly grew up playing games, but I think it's interesting that it was the time before the internet, or at least what the internet is now, where, you know, maybe you had a couple other friends who played games when you were growing up, but didn't have like this big community that you knew were out there. I won my first console by saving up 20,000 tickets at the Charlie Horse in Massachusetts (laughs) and got my, my purple N64 and I'd had like a Game Boy before that. They need to bring the colors back. Yeah. Those colors, color controllers when they do that N64 so classic, you know they have to bring the colors back. <laughs> Weirdly, I thought I played so many games as, as a kid and now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this whole library that like I never touched on, like Turok and things like that that I never played. But I loved Super Mario 64. I loved Paper Mario. I really got into JRPGs. But I just really enjoyed fantasy as a whole. Growing up, I'd always wanted to be a fantasy writer. My dad was like, there's no way you'll ever make money as an English major. You have to be a doctor doctor or a lawyer. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do either of those things. Uh, And someone told me, like, what about journalism if you really like writing? And when I was in my first semester, I went to Northeastern in Boston. I was like, really petrified because it was a lot of focus on hard news, you know, like political reporting and things like that. And I was like, none of these are for me. At the end of my first semester, I had to do a big feature and I ended up doing it on this guy who did Fooly Cooly cosplay at Anime Boston. Oh my God. I did this whole piece about him and like spent all this time on it and was really proud of it. And I was like, oh, I can write about things that I'm passionate about that summer in between freshman and sophomore year. I, um, 
got to go on behalf of the Boston Globe as like a very, very junior reporter to my first ever E3, famously the first Comic-Con that Twilight was there and ruined Comic-Con forever. <laughs> so I was there right on the cusp. And then from then on out, I just like had a very singular focus. And after I graduated, I moved to L.A. and sort of fell into the freelance scene and then eventually got some staff positions. How the world spins and moves <laughs> and time flies. <laughs> Allegra, you also come from like an interesting experience, although New York-based, too. We, we reminisced about the New York subway this morning. <laughs> oh, if only I could forget. So, but what drew you sort of to gaming and podcasting and Polygon? Much like you guys, I grew up playing games. I was very into Pokemon, and obviously there were games around that time. Um, this was right when the cartoons started. So I was like, I need that. I need all the Pokemon things. I love Charmander. I have my favorites. Mom, Dad, you got to get me that. So I got a Game Boy Color. I held on to it for years. It was my best friend. I played Pokemon for hours and hours and hours. So I pretty much just fell in love with the idea of games. And I've always been the kind of person who will spend tons of time learning everything I can about the things that I like. Even as a seven-year-old, I would go on Game Facts and just read everything on the message boards or GameSpot or just Googling Pokemon fan sites. Throughout all of my schooling years, I was just like the gamer kid. I didn't super lean into that or anything. I wasn't like, gamer girl, hey. But (laughs) that was my main thing. I just wanted to know everything. And as I got older, it wasn't just I want to know about games I care about. I want to know about news. And I started consuming everything. I was a huge Kotaku nerd, like to the point where I knew Brian Crescente's kids' names or his son's name when I was like 12, which is very strange because I ended up working with him. It's <laughs> totally not weird at all. Did you, have weird. you told him that? Oh, yeah. He <laughs> so I would just read Kotaku every single day and start learning about other video games and the gaming industry. And I just wanted to know everything about what goes on back there, not just, you know, what people are playing or how to beat this boss. But then by the end of high school, I think my interest kind of changed a little bit. I think because being a woman or a young woman, there were a lot of guys in my, you know, journalism class on the newspaper staff. And anytime I'd try and bring up something about a new game, they would try and tamp that down. They'd be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And I would say, no, I know exactly how many units Super Mario Brothers sold on the NES because it was packaged in with the NES when it was released. And they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but Call of Duty forever. And <laughs> I just did not. Please ha- tell me that conversation actually happened that it's way. Seri- on When the day that Modern Warfare 2 came out, I got in a huge fight with all the guys because I was like, no, it's not the biggest selling game of all time. It came out today. That's not <laughs> how that goes. And they seriously were like, I, why does this girl keep talking? Like, you don't understand. And honestly, that experience alone really kind of turned me off of gamer culture. I just felt like, you know, in the public eye, I'm just the person who doesn't know anything. And I didn't really have female role models in gaming quite yet. So I just was like, okay, well, it's just a white man's world. So I went to Mount Holyoke College. I took a class my very last semester where it was about sort of the theory of new media. And we had a huge unit on video games. You know, everyone in the class was a woman. And there were other women who spoke up for the first time in my four years saying, yeah, I love games. I love this game and this game. We watched feminist frequency videos a lot. I did all of my papers on video games. My very last paper in college was about Animal Crossing and neoliberalism or something. (laughs) (laughs) At the tail end of college, my whole 
idea about what I wanted to do very much changed because I loved writing about the things that I loved. I had gone very far away from that. Everything had been so academic. So I was like, that was so fun writing about Animal Crossing. I want to keep doing that. I want to find, you know, those more literary journal type things for uh, video games like Unwinnable. And now there's like Orbital, things like that. And I want to try writing for those. And then Polygon was, you know, one of my news sources. And it just so happened that they had a junior reporter position that opened up. And I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if I got to meet these guys in the interview that I'll never get. And then it somehow worked out. I showed up and I was like, you know, I'm pretty green. I loved journalism in high school. I kind of had to move away from that. But I still always, you know, loved games in the background. And here's why I think that's important, especially as a young woman. And, uh, now here I am. <laughs> it worked out, I guess. It's I don't mean to, to jump in, but it's it's interesting because now I'm thinking back about like my experience playing games when I was a kid and how that sort of formed my outlook. And I had a bunch of guy friends who are like a few years older than I am who all played games and they played the types of games that I never really played. Like WoW had just come out, I request online, and even D&D. And they were always really welcoming. And it actually was a female friend who I had who was like, really into games like she was really into Halo and stuff and she she would like disguise herself as a man had a voice changer and all that stuff early on because you couldn't be a really competitive a great gamer female gamer without getting a lot of sexual comments or, or put downs and I'm sure that's similar now but it's it's changed versus where it was like 10 or 15 years ago but yeah she it was like it was weird where she was always the one where she's like you're not really a gamer because you just like Pokemon and JRPGs <laughs> like I play so much more than you yeah. and so it's like it's this weird thing that idea that like I was never like a true gamer because I wasn't as deep like didn't necessarily come from a guy and I've always gotten a mix ever since but it's weird like I, I know so many people I've talked to where it's like such a divide but you didn't have a lot of female friends who played games and then the guys who you talked to about it were like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, why Why is it like that? I don't know. It feels kind of unique to gaming culture, this sense of like, well, you don't have enough cred to be part of the culture, so get out of the culture. And how I played so many games growing up, but apparently I didn't play the right kind of games right. or, you didn't or the right types enough. of games. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until recently that I've really been able to kind of take that back for myself, which has been great, but it's taken me, you know, how many years to get here. And so I hope, you know, if you're listening and you've ever been in that situation in which, let's be honest, you probably have, whether you're a man or a woman, know that you are good enough to be call yourself a gamer no matter what your gaming cred is. The thing that I really love about, like, actually working in games is I feel like the people actually within the industry feel that same way. People still make fun of me for, you know, only having just played Halo. Like, I showed up and I was like, guys, have you played Halo? It's so fun. Like, the original one. And they were like, yeah, I forgot it's 2001 Allegro. Um, but it's when I'm in public or something and, you know, just making small talk and someone is saying, oh, what do you do? And I say, I write about video games and TV and movies. And they say, oh, but you don't actually play games, right? Without fail right? every single time. Yeah. That, that's the immediate follow-up question yeah. every time. They're always like, yeah, you must not actually, like, how did you get that job? You don't actually like games, do you? And I'm like, I do. I do enjoy games Do a you lot. think that I would be capable of doing my job if I didn't <laughs> actually know the source material? Do you guys find that when you work for Marvel that people just assume you don't read any of the comics? Growing up, 
women weren't like girls were less likely giving comics than boys. Right. I mean, there's just like video games and being a childish thing in comics. It was really got lost in being childish. The reason I've stayed at Marvel for so long is the community here is great. But outside of sort of this little bubble of space, there are times that as a woman, clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. Granted, I don't know everything about everything. And for 80 years of history, I can't imagine that you, any, like besides Tom Brevard, <laughs> literally no one knows everything. But like for a long period of time, I was like the one of the go-to people in the office that knew a lot of information because I used to help uh, edit the wiki here. Ooh. So that was one of my sud gigs at Marvel <laughs> when I had free time. But it's so interesting that as long as I've known women in my life, women have A, read comics, B, enjoyed entertainment, and C, played games. Mm-hmm. This is not a new idea. Something I've found really inspiring over at IGN over the last couple of months. <laughs> Terry just looked at Ooh. me like, oh, what is more. inspiring from <laughs> IGN? <laughs> so obviously um, the editor-in-chief on the game side is Tina Amini, who mm-hmm. is a woman and a person of color. And when that happened, I'm also friends with Tina and I think she's amazing. That really touched me because I've, I've still never seen that for someone who's both a woman and a person of color at basically the biggest gaming entertainment site is so amazing. And then you're editorial manager on the entertainment side, so that's two... Two lady bosses. Yeah, two women take over. in huge leadership <laughs> positions. And obviously IGN still has a lot of guys, and a lot of them are also in leadership, but it's been such a shift over the last you know year or so. And I'm curious how that sort of impacted the staff. When our editor-in-chief left, our boss and, and co-founder of IGN, Pear, looked at it and he was like, Instead of having an editor-in-chief, which feels a bit antiquated for what our site is going to do, I'm basically going to split this role in half. And so Tina and I together make up one editor-in-chief and our, like, counterparts on both sides. I was the first woman in the history of IGN to be in a management position on the editorial side. And now we have two. And, like, a director of branded content is a woman. And our director of social is a woman and a person of color now. Like, we've had so many in the past year come on and and be a part of it, not based on just having women and people of color, but having skilled individuals in these roles. It's not just diversity hires. It's really to like strengthen the content you're making. It's certainly been a thought. It hasn't been like an ultimatum that like, oh, you need to hire more diverse people. But certainly it's like been the thought, especially since Tina and I have been hiring, look harder. Well, you do don't have binders most- full of women, Terry? <laughs> 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 wow, what an old reference, Terry. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's weird because like sometimes you do see like the same groups of people who like go around it's like no there are more people out there now and it's finding those really talented people or like Allegra like you were saying like maybe when you came to Polygon you were like I don't have years of games experience but I have all these things that work in my advantage and I'm a hard worker and I know this stuff and it's like yes of course like we want to take a chance on you it's been really interesting and so that's why I like have a more optimistic outlook for all the crummy stuff out there um that like this positive shift will continue to happen and more people will get the chance to tell more stories as long as we are like aware that this is something that we all communally want to work toward. Yeah, I mean, the binders of women will come from (laughs) young girls and and young boys at home seeing TV shows and different things where there's a wide range of people. I think that's important because you can't come to accept that women like gaming until there's enough women in the room. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. I was 
fortunate enough to be asked to be on an expert panel for a Vice show called The Business of Life. We were taking questions from the audience and a young man who was probably like in his early 20s really kind of put himself out there by saying, do you actually play games? But I, I ask because I don't know any women that play games. Like I grew up with sisters and none of them liked video games and none of my friends that are women play games. And so if you aren't represented, if you don't know what's possible, then you might not believe it's possible for you. Whenever like I'm having a rough day on the internet uh, or just in life in general, I try to remind myself that like the representation matters and what we're doing matters for those people coming up behind us. The thing that I love about what you guys have done with What's Good too is like you aren't trying to, first of all, I I did love from the start that you guys positioned it as not like four great ladies in games, which you guys obviously are, um, but like you were like, we have this combined experience. Like don't even try to question like our validity in this. But I also love that you guys, you ladies, uh, didn't try to be one of the guys, so to speak. It's not the idea that you have to be one specific type of person to like games or like comics. Like you can still be yourself and not be even a, a, a stereotype of what like a gamer girl is. And I think that's really important to what you're doing. Absolutely. It's been so fun working with those girls. Um, it's fun to kind of like meet and work with other women who who are different, who di- who do represent a different type of woman out there because there are all kinds of women. There isn't just one woman or female gamer girl stereotype, right? There's lots of us out there. Yeah. Same thing at the Polygon show. We each have very different tastes in games. I'm usually the one who's into weird indie games that no one else has heard of. or And then we have Ashley O, oh, who's really into Overwatch and like games that will enable her to start screaming profanities <laughs> at people on her headset. But then we also still can bond over, we all love cute things and we all love Japanese candy and it is exactly what you're saying Terry of yeah I play games and I love cute things and I love dresses and I love makeup and we're going to talk about that on the show it's so fun and cool to see when we do live shows after the live show, it's a lot of women who do come up but it's also a lot of guys and it's always about you guys are so funny and so interesting and really smart about what you care about and you all care about different things and I love to see that and I feel as though I'm talking to friends. At Polygon, a lot of our management is still guys and they're so supportive from day one. My, you know, editor-in-chief Chris Grant is one of my favorite people in the world. Like sometimes I'll call him dad and I don't think he likes that at all. (laughs) But (laughs) like that's the sort of relationship we kind of have where He really believes in me and encourages me and wants me to do things like this and go out there and be the face of the site. So, you know, the the guys definitely are also there for us. And that's been really cool to see. That's so great to hear because as like the resident old person on this podcast, (laughs) um, it it wasn't that way when I started at all. It was completely the opposite. I was usually the only girl on the staff of like all dudes. And it was just constant questioning of the authenticity to the point where I almost quit working in games media because I was just like I couldn't handle it anymore I was just like I'll go back to entertainment news no one's going to question me talking to movie stars on red carpets it's going to be fine Um, because I worked um, in an office with girls who ran a, a movie channel a music channel a fashion channel and I was like the lone girl running the gaming channel with a, a staff of all men I just remember not only like 
having, you know, some fights with my coworkers about specific video games. I do love all those guys. They're great. Not talking about them specifically, but with the community, I just got so much uh, like heckling from people in my comments on my videos and my coworkers didn't get like any of it because it was traditional for a female on camera presenter to be talking about movies or TV or music. But you've he- seen it for decades, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mary Hart, shout out to Mary Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I had this moment recently where an old coworker of mine, who shall remain nameless, came up to me and actually apologized for the way that he treated me when we used to work together. And it was like a really like, profound moment we didn't talk too much about it because we kind of only saw each other in passing but he was like that was wrong I shouldn't have done that and I was like hey thanks I appreciate you saying that you really didn't have to and he was like yeah no I did and I was like yeah yeah you kind of did actually um and so it was a really it was a really nice moment of like validation or whatever not that I needed that but I guess I needed that so I want to segue to sort of a work question for yes, you guys. Yes, let's do you know, it. We haven't been yes, talking about it. work. It got super serious there <laughs> no, for a this second. Is amazing and everything I've dreamed of. This is great. Uh, as someone who works in comics and now this giant entertainment mogul company that has lots of content, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is having the time to watch, read everything. Obviously, I can't. And then still enjoy it. How do you guys sort of wrestle with you have to play video games to obviously do your job but then still enjoy video games it's a tough balance particularly because this medium is so time consuming you know i think about probably some of the things that terry has to watch or or read for some of the coverage she's doing in entertainment and i get a little jealous that like you just had like a three-hour movie to watch whereas you know i get how many netflix shows there are i know (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know and i think about you know how i very thankfully was given a code for red dead redemption 2 ahead of launch to prepare coverage and i still didn't get it done you know because that game is like 70 hours plus and how I would have loved to take my time with it and not have to do like back to back eight to 10 hour sessions to try to like hopefully get through it as fast as possible. And it's it's tough because the whole time I just really wanted to play Destiny 2. Um, but I, <laughs> I was like, no, you got you to gotta play this game. Um, and so sometimes that does color the opinions that you have of the content. And I'm sure, you know, if you have to binge watch a whole series in like a single day, it might not be as enjoyable for you if you're able to kind of like watch it at your leisure, you know. Marvel movies do a great job of this where they always keep you focused on the next thing that's coming in and the next thing. And it's like... When someone, they do. someone tweets yeah. a photo of like this weird like black and white thing and then yeah. you're like what does this mean yeah. and then like yeah it's like the next shot and so it's like <laughs> never ending in that way some of my my coworkers who have been at IGN for over a decade are like we remember when there used to be a slow season and with games too there's like yeah. never really a slow it doesn't ex- season doesn't anymore exist anymore yeah, yeah it's particularly with how the way that the publisher model was previously set up has shifted so dramatically with the advent of digital and how um, digital distribution is not only changing video games but obviously changing traditional entertainment as well. And publishers just saying, oh, well, yeah, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 had a release date, but that's not just one release date. We're going to put out this map pack at this point. We're going to add this thing to zombies at this point. Games don't end. Yeah, (laughs) they don't don't anymore. And, And I think that that's both good and bad I mean obviously good because if you find a community or game you like like for me with Destiny I love that I can 
turn on my console and play Destiny at any time and there will always be something happening in that game, right? But it also means that because I want to be playing in like the daily content on Destiny and, and doing my like light level grind, that it means that I haven't finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Spider-Man or Red Dead yet, right? Like I haven't gotten to the end of those games because this thing is always be like, I'm shiny and I'm over here and you want to play me. It's tough. It's, I love my Switch because I can yeah. play it while watching things yeah. on the couch. Yes, I definitely uh, do that too. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's funny, I've been, I've been joking with a couple of people I work with where they're, one of them is really into games and one of them is not and they both cover TV and so she's always like, what do you mean you have time to play this game? There are so many Netflix shows for you to watch. And I, like we... We started joking where I'm like, just multitask. And they, The Witcher is coming to Netflix as well. So they want to prep and like read all the books. And they're like, how do I have time to do this? I was like, here's what you do. <laughs> you put up a show on the TV. <laughs> you play the Switch on your lap and you listen to the audiobook. And oh, then you'll get yes. all for And they're like, are no, you crazy? You <laughs> and it was like a joke. That. It was a joke. But I was like, yeah, you could get all these things happening. What are you going to do about movies? Too bad. Just do it in the theater. Like watch Netflix on your phone. Play your Switch. Like, no, I'm kidding. Uh, question for you guys, um, because you're talking about Destiny 2 and you love that so much. Um, you know, with Infinity War and Star Wars, we cover these things so much in the lead up. When they actually come out, are you still in work mode? Or are you able to say, oh, wow, that was amazing. Let's all just like freak out about how amazing that is for a second. And wow, this game is so good. I'm so happy that I'm playing this game finally. Or is it still like, okay, work continues? I think the thing that's funny that's changed is in there just constantly being something else. There's like all this buildup and hype, whether it's in coverage or personal. And then the movie comes out and you're like, on to the next thing. Yeah. And so often, like you guys get games early. Uh, we, we face this at IGN a lot, actually, when people um, in the office will get something like God of War or Spider-Man or Red Dead early, play so much of it have those experiences of being so excited while they're playing it then the game comes out you put your coverage up and move on to something else and you forget that like people are just experiencing it then yes. and so your like window That's of so enthusiasm tough. is not overlapping it's in the hard same you have way. to find the other people to talk to stuff about but it's challenging particularly in games if there's something that you kind of are, are stuck on because you can't look up a walkthrough or go mm. to a wiki because it doesn't exist yet and you're under embargo and you can't specifically <laughs> talk about it in public and so you have to kind of find people in the industry that also are privy to that thing too and be like please help me <laughs> or, or can we geek out about this I can't talk about this with anybody else and um, I had that moment during uh, Red Dead coverage because that game was just so meaty it's a fun terrible thing <laughs> it's well, not really terrible for but. us it's it's interesting where again like if you've had a game for two weeks and you experience all these really cool moments and your enthusiasm to like remember that when the game comes out and your community is having those experiences and like being there to have them with them. And so we're finding these things and these cool ideas, even though it's not maybe the first weekend it was out because other people are kind of slow to coming to that as right. well. That's so important, I think. Like I was talking to someone like, oh, I finally like I'm playing Spider-Man. It's so fun. And they're like, oh, yes, I remember Spider-Man. <laughs> so they're like, like a month old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, know. I was like, came out like six weeks ago. What are you talking about? But it is hard to sort of keep that balance of, yeah, I've played this already. I put a week into it already. And now you guys are finally wanting to talk about it. And yes, no, it's exciting that you want to talk about it. It's really hard to like maintain those lines. But it, it's funny to see the disconnect sometimes that comes. And I'm going to use a, a Disney property, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I went – 
to the premiere. Very emotional, cool experience the first time anyone saw this movie. Like, we were in the same row with Kobe Smulders. Like, it was just such a cool, heightened experience. And we watched the movie and just loved it. Like, loved it. And we were so hyped on it. We had all this coverage planned. We gave it a really high score. And then a couple days before the movie came out, our coworkers up in San Francisco, who were also huge Star Wars fans, went. And they came back the day before release. They were like, we didn't really like it. And we were all like, what? And then, of course, that movie was so divisive, right? And so it's weird when you see something that you all either universally hate or universally love because— Or if you're the one outlier that doesn't like the thing that everybody else likes. That's the worst because then people are so mean to you. It's it's funny. Yeah, well, it's funny sometimes, especially if it's like an outlet where we're talking about diverse opinions, right? And like we had a diverse group there, but all have the same outlook of coming from this one perspective of like media reporting. And so fans obviously have a different perspective. You know, for Star Wars, our coverage was so glowing. And then we were like, wait, okay, we need to find a way to talk about why there is this divided reaction to it, which I don't know if that happens with games. It's the worst part of the gig is having to be critical of something you don't want to be critical of. And it's something that I really struggled with early in my career because I got accused of liking everything because most of the time and I still have this philosophy with the coverage I do today I talk about things I like and if I don't like it I just don't talk about it this idea of positive upbeat coverage and like if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything at all so if I don't like a game you know I generally just never even mention that I played it one of the questions we got on the podcast recently was from somebody that said if you didn't play games would you even play certain types of games anymore and I was like honestly Probably not. There'd probably be whole genres that I wouldn't even like consider or pick up or look at playing at all. I have to do it now because I want to be as diverse and well-rounded in my school of thought around games in general. Um, But that's what's great about having such a diverse cast on what's good and bringing in guests is that I can find somebody who hopefully that is their thing that they like. Um, And it helps us kind of keep the situation and the conversation as authentic as possible. I guess I'm kind of a weird privileged outlier. (laughs) So I still find playing games and watching movies and TV very fun. Just give Um, me five years, kid. (laughs) I'm sure soon I will be extremely cynical and hate everything. But since I didn't really play games much during college, when I went to um, when I went to Polygon, I was like, yeah, I want to play everything. This is so cool. Yes, I want to get into this again and start talking about it. And now I, you know, I mostly am lucky to play only the games that I like for review or in genres that I like. Like, I'm no offense. I'm never going to play Destiny 2. Like, <laughs> it's OK. That's but if you want to yeah. play it on PS4, come mm-hmm. play it. Andrea, I, I'll get back into it after my year off. <laughs> we can fire <laughs> team up. It'll yeah. be great. OK, that might be fun. I do have a copy of it. So. <laughs> I play Forsaken still. I need to get my light level up. I'm ready. <laughs> right. But we are lucky at Polygon that, you know, we have a pretty diverse staff. So I'm never going to be the one who has to review it. So I pretty much only get to play, you know, or only have to play the genres that I like. And so I always find that like a really exciting experience. Even now, I try to make sure that I don't just play the games that I'm required to for work. I'm not a big online person for some reason, but I like go to people's houses and we play Mario Party and I'm not going to write about that. I just want to play Mario Party. I go to my friend's house and I play older games that I missed out on. So now I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid person that everyone at work is like, shut up. No one cares anymore. (laughs) I still try to, you know, teach myself about different genres or different games that I missed out on. I really like trying to find, you know, an angle that I can 
write about and people are like, I don't know why you wrote about this, but it was very good. You know, I think three years ago, I didn't feel as burnt out as sort of I do now on some things. And it's like making sure you don't get burnt out on the things you're passionate about. Because when your hobbies become your work, your work is 24-7. And so when you come home and you're like, what should I play? We're getting towards game of the year voting time, right? I don't want to say, oh, I'm voting on game of the year, but I never played Red Dead, right? Like, But there are so many Netflix shows and so (laughs) many great Netflix shows. Movies, I think, are probably easiest to keep up with because there are not many great streaming movies. So you can really focus on like one or two a week. I could keep up with it. Um, So, you know, as three ladies who've all sort of broken into slightly different spectrums, do you sort of have any advice for young women and men out there who are interested in getting in gaming and entertainment? The best advice that I give to people when I get asked this question is to get experience either through school or through practical application. And I tell people, if you are nervous about putting yourself out there, make the content and then just don't publish it. Go through the process. You're never going to uh, be successful if you don't practice, 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 practice. So just start today. Write something. Shoot something today. My advice is passion is great, but it's not enough. To Andrea's point, like you really do need experience. Don't do work for free. Find a place that will pay you, even if it's $5 a post. And just start at a smaller site. There will be work you need to put in, and it will be so validating when you do that. And then you come super confident with this great portfolio. And people say, how could we do anything but welcome you in? I always feel so underqualified. And I'm just listening to both of you and just looking at all of you. I'm like, yes, give me advice. (laughs) But I am going to kind of roll off what you were saying, Terry. And for me, the biggest thing has been confidence. My whole life, I just had none of that. But you have to just sort of walk into that interview with the content in hand and just feel confident about it. Just assert yourself. You belong there. No one can tell you you're not as passionate about the things that you are. It's so clear when you have someone like that who wants to put in the time to understand the totality of what they're doing versus someone who's just like, I'm the biggest Doctor Strange fan. Uh, I just see him on the wall. So. You can't be yeah, off that. You can't be overprepared. Yeah. The one last thing I would say is contacts are really important. You won't start out with many, but you will meet people over the years. Coming at it from being a fan probably is not going to be as effective as coming at it from someone who is just in- interested in the profession and interested in having a conversation and having a serious talk about, like, how did you start out? What are some things I could do? Print out business cards, even if you're spending $5 or doing them for free online. Give people something to remember you by. And slowly you'll realize that over the years you've created this Rolodex for yourself so that when you go around to try to apply somewhere, you maybe have one or two people who could put in a good word for you. Well, that was great. That was all great advice for uh, those who want to get into this industry. Industries? Plurals? (laughs) Plurals? I feel like we could just sit and talk forever. I want to thank all three of you ladies for joining us. This was amazing. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. So before I throw you out the door, where can fans find you on the internet? Um, So you can find me, Andrea Renee, at Andrea Renee on Twitter. Um, Please, if you're interested in checking out our podcast, it's What's Good Games. You can find it on all of the podcast services on Spotify or at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash what's good games. And I also co-host with some friends of mine over at Kind of Funny Games. You can find uh, at least my imprint on IGN.com. If you do want to follow me, I'm at Terry underscore Schwartz on Twitter. And I'm at Terry underscore underscore Schwartz on Instagram because apparently someone has at Terry underscore 
Schwartz, <laughs> and I cannot get that back. So remember, one underscore on Twitter, two underscores on Instagram. I am Legs Frank on Twitter, no underscore, thankfully. There is an Allegra Frank already, and they don't even use it. And yes. that's the worst. It's like, who are you, Allegra? <laughs> um, I co-host the Polygon Show. Same thing on all your... Uh, podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, also co-hosting the History Fun. And you can find my writing and uh, griping on (laughs) polygon.com. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to post some fun uh, social photos of us all on the Women of Marvel Instagram. Make sure you put the the on there. Um, And that's it. Thanks so much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Andrea, Allegra, and Terry for coming to Marvel HQ and and sitting down for a fairly involved and amazing conversation about women in games. And and hopefully uh, all you guys out there, if you're not interested in games, maybe you are now, but you can go check out all of their different socials and follow their podcasts. I've been like binge listening to History of Fun lately, and I love it. Plus, What's Good Games is Sometimes their podcasts are an hour and a half of just some three or four amazing ladies, depending on who's on each week, just talking about games and their life. And it's, you kind of just like want to be friends with all of them, which I hope I will be at the end. Yay. Also, while they were here, we did some challenge with them with Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation, where we had all three of them race from one of the tallest points uh, within the map to the Brooklyn Bridge. You guys should swing over to Marvel.com and check out that video to see who won. But I think that's it. You know, if you guys have questions or suggestions, you can hit us up at womanof at marvel.com or you can tweet at Marvel with hashtag Woman of Marvel. Plus, follow our Instagram, The Woman of Marvel. It's almost turkey day. Gobble, gobble. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your holidays wherever you are and however you celebrate them. And uh, we'll see you guys in December. This is Marvel, your turkey. <laughs> <laughs>